Welcome back, it's time for Customers Who Click. Today I've got a guest who's doing amazingly well in the D2C space. Jason Wong launched Doe Lashes back in 2019, which has absolutely exploded into a seven-figure business within just a couple of years. Jason's done really well to leverage slightly alternative channels such as TikTok, which a lot of brands haven't even touched yet, as well as putting a massive focus on retention through tools like Smile and Clavio and that important unboxing experience, which we'll hear more about later. Let's get Jason on now to hear about how he's grown Doe Lashes by really focusing on the customer. Hi, Jason. Thanks for joining me today. Do you want to just quickly introduce yourself, um, give us a little bit of your background and, and what you're up to now? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. My name is Jason Wong. I'm the founder of Doe Lashes. We're a beauty brand focusing on making comfortable eye products. Okay, cool. How long have you been doing that? About two years, two, three years now. Um, had a few other brands before this, but this is my main focus now. Okay, cool. Um, so I think uh, I think you've seen some pretty good growth, if I if I'm correct, over the last couple of years. Um, what what would you say have been maybe one or two of the most important like key contributors to that growth? I would say it's two things. Primarily, it's our organic efforts. You know, um, a lot of brands scale with Facebook ads, which is you know still the best way to scale. But uh, my personal belief is that the foundations needs to be set properly, and the foundations comes up organically. When Facebook and all these other platforms change, the only thing left is how you are able to reach your customers off of these platforms. So one of the things that we focused very heavily was um, on these native platforms like TikTok, Snapchat, and even YouTube Shorts and Pinterest. Um, These four platforms that typically don't really show up in conversations when we think about growth. Um, I went straight for it. When everyone's going to Facebook, I went straight for the other platforms that I believe were a little bit underdeveloped at the time um, and really untapped. Yeah, well, I think um, uh, I think for TikTok in particular, you know, it's it's got quite a specific content style, hasn't it? So, you know, you have to actually make quite a commitment to to really working on that platform, don't you? Yeah. Well, we initially tried to crack TikTok internally with our own team. And we just couldn't figure it out. We got our own social media manager for our Twitter, our Instagram to do stuff on TikTok and it didn't work out. And we're like, why? Well, the reason is that TikTok has a very particular style of format um, in terms of the content. The way that they gauge interest is very different than how other platforms do it. There's a type of behavior that is only shown on TikTok. So when people scroll through the videos, compared to when they scroll through the feeds on other news feeds. So the things that we changed was we just went to look for a TikTok creator to become our TikTok manager. So instead of trying getting our social media manager to do TikTok, we found someone who did TikTok already to make branded content for us. That's really it. That's the only small change that we did, but it was the biggest growth lever for us. Yeah, I suppose it makes sense really. You know, hire someone who does it, right? Hire someone who actually does it day to day rather than someone who just kind of understands the platform and kind of gets it, but might not be the sort of person who's actually going to go on TikTok and do stuff. Yeah. So does, does that person do, do all your, all your content for TikTok or do you kind of, do you, do you get any UGC? Do you, do you crowdsource? A little bit of both. I would say it's like 80% our TikTok person doing it. We source from our contributors and then we also get um, mashups from our other like customers that we put together we like to put that diverse space into it so it's not just one single person making every single video um, because that's too much dependency on one person. So a little mix of both, but also keeps things interesting. You get different tones of voice 
um, advocating for your brand and your product. And people seem to really like that. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it makes sense. Um, and I like, I like that you mentioned, um, you're focusing on organic instead of, instead of paid and that, you know, those foundations have been there, have to, have to be there. Um, if you're getting, if you're growing well through organic, it means you're, it's, it's a pretty good sign that people like your business, right? Yeah. Uh, Cause it means you've got word of mouth. You've got, uh, you know, people are enjoying your social content. Um, and I like to focus on retention. Um, that's a big part of what I do. So uh, I feel like that kind of ties in quite well, right? Um, if, with that attitude of we're not going to focus too much on paid should link in quite well with, well, we also want to retain our customers and, and make sure people love the brand. So what, what do you think is key to retaining customers? A few ways. Uh, number one is obviously getting their, their data and getting more information about them. Most people just collect emails and phone numbers we collect a little bit more than that. We collect our emails and our leads through a shoppable quiz on our website. The shoppable quiz asks you questions like, how often do you go out? What's your eyes shape? What kind of makeup do you like to do? And we essentially built a deeper, more detailed profile for each of our customers. So instead of just having their email address, Will, we now know that Will likes X, Y, and C. This makes our retention efforts on SMS and email a little bit more personalized and people will really seem to appreciate that. It makes us stand out from other people who also have their email address because we know a little bit more about them compared to everyone else. And so we've seen a lot better effectiveness in terms of outreach through these retention channels just by asking better questions when we collect their leads. Um, the second thing is being very consistent, but also being very authentic. We don't like to spam our customers with all the sales emails because everyone else is doing it. We're very intentional with the way that we introduce ourselves when we're in their inbox. The first, second, and third emails is really about who we are and why should they care? Why should they keep subscribing and what's in it for them? And then eventually we start noticing their behaviors, like how often do they click? How often do they open? And we sent different types of emails depending on the frequency of their behaviors with us. People that click more often have higher intent, so we send more email to them. People who don't click or open that often probably shouldn't get that many email because eventually it will just drive them to unsubscribe. So being very intentional with the way that you send your emails and how you write your emails is, I would say, the key to retention. Then lastly, you need to give them a reason for why they should stay, right? People stay for a brand for multiple reasons. Number one is they really like the brand. They see themselves buying this t-shirt or this pair of flashes over and over again. So they're going to naturally come back and recurring purchases. Then there's also people who want to stay for sales because they're discount shoppers. So you want to give them that little bit of reward to entice them to keep subscribing to your emails, newsletters, and whatnot. And then three is they generally just like the brand. They might not buy every single product, but they like being a part of the community. We have a community on our Discord, which is off our website. We also have a community of our rewards and loyalty program within our website. So people that are part of our website and our program get special perks, like special um, designs. They get early access. They get um, things that others won't even get at all. So being a part of that exclusivity is a part of why they stay. So there's a lot of reasons why we make people retain. Um, it's not just sending out an email and calling in a day. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm massively on board with the, the quiz idea. So capturing that data from people so that you can say, you know, we want to send this email with this sort of content to this group of people because we know that's what they care about. And then doing something different for some others. And then uh, I really love that engagement piece you mentioned. So people who are opening and clicking every single email, 
they're, they're quite keen. They're obviously uh, interested in the brand, um, probably keeping an eye out for some products or maybe an offer. Um, so, you know, so keep engaging them. Whereas those people who open once every month or so, you know, maybe maybe dial it down on those people a bit. Um, and then on the loyalty side, yeah, you're right. You know, those good customers, those best customers, uh, if you treat them well, they're going to treat you well. Yep. And if they if they recognize that, um, so if, if it genuinely is like a, you know, you're in our loyalty program, you're our top customers, you're going to get exclusive access to these products or these events or experiences, they're, they're going to love you for that. Um, I find it really interesting that you mentioned Discord, though, because that is not the platform that I would have expected because um, it's got a reputation as a bit of a gaming platform, right? Yep. Can I, can I ask, what, what kind of led to that decision to go on Discord and and how, how are you finding that with uh, engagement with people? Yeah, I mean, Discord is closely tied to gamers, which is closely tied to the Gen Z audience, which is really much an overlap with our audience. So naturally, we felt that this was a better option compared to, let's say, Slack. Um, because Slack is very businessy, right? Um, and Discord, I love it because you can create different channels. We have channels for makeup, channels for sharing your dog pictures. So different categories. It seems like you're a part of the whole community. We found that people are making friends there. They're hanging out offline. They're trading the stuff that they got. Um, it's, it's been a very fun process to see it. Um, but overall, Discord hasn't been that big of an issue in terms of like getting people on it. Like people, people aren't like, I, I don't want to get on Discord because it's for gamers. Um, because the audience has a lot of overlap, they seem to be very open to using Discord to join a brand's community. And because not many brands are doing it, we're typically the only brand channel that they're part of. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose what I mean is, uh, if you, I, I think most people who know about Discord are gamers, uh, rather than it being something that a lot of people know of and go, oh, this is a gaming platform, why would I use it? Um, so yeah, I, I think it completely makes sense that, uh, yeah, if you've got that crossover in the audience and these are the sort of people who would fit that sort of that sort of platform, then it completely makes sense. Um, how, how many people do you have on Discord? Uh, about like seven, eight hundred people. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, so we we go to them for product feedbacks. Uh, when we make changes to our website, they're going in and like, trying to break it, which is great. Like we want them to go in and break it. So like they are really like the front line of the people that we go to when anything new happens before we release it to the general public. Yeah. So they really are, like, really are uh, top, top quality customers who are going to, uh, you know, talk about your brand a lot, I suppose, as well. Um, are you, do, you have, do you have plans to, to limit the number of people or, or are you just saying if, if people want to join, they'll join? Or, do you, do you, you know, some brands will say like, oh, we're only going to allow a thousand people into our kind of VIP uh, community or something. Um, we're just going to let anyone that wants to join to join, but we may eventually create something even more exclusive, like a, I don't know, 50 member group for something even bigger. Um, there hasn't really been like a drastic need for it, but also the bandwidth of the team to manage something like that. It's, it's not really within our roadmap. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It makes sense. One thing I wanted to ask about was your unboxing experience. Cause I think, uh, when, when we spoke before, you said it was quite, uh, quite interesting, quite important to you. Um, do you want to just talk us uh, through that a little bit? What's right. wh what's gone into that? What's the what's the thought process behind thing behind it? And uh, and what would you get out of it? 
adding an unboxing is probably the most important part of the post-purchase experience because it's the place and time where you can get additional exposure if you do it right. Um, so many times when people get their Apple products and they film the box being lifted open because it's such a magical experience, the way that they design the products, um, that people want to capture it and show it to their, to their friends and family. Following the same concept, we're like, how can we make our unboxing experience, you know, um, photogenic, if, if you will, or like, how do we make it so that people want to take pictures of it? So it comes down to creating a box that is uh, very much branded, um, but not branded as in we're just slapping our logo. We use a lot of our visual motifs that you see on our website and everywhere else onto this box so people know that it's coming from Dell. When I first open it, there's a word out there that compliments them. Our stickers is something that compliments them so they feel like a little bit better already opening the box. And then we made our box a essentially a backdrop. So when you open the box, you can place the box right there and take a picture of it like it is a backdrop. So we create this opportunity for people to take pictures of it um, in a way that looks good on their social media profiles. So you want to make it easier and convenient for your customers to take good pictures to post onto your social profile. And that's really the, the principles behind it. Now, the designs obviously going to be diff very different for every single brand. Um, we have different boxes for different occasions too. So if there's a particular holiday, we create holiday themed boxes. Um, got that idea from Starbucks. I, I love that Starbucks okay. different theme cups um, whenever yeah. they have um, you know, a holiday promotion. So I'm like, can we also do the same thing for our packaging? And that's really where the idea came from. Um, so far, it's been working great. We've seen a lot more people posting pictures of our boxes and, and whatnot because we gave them the opportunity to do so. And is, is that something you, you started out doing? Uh, like right from the start, or is it something that's that's coming more recently? Or oh, right from the start, our first box was branded. We, we've never we never did anything else. Oh wow, okay, that's yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, like you say, it's all about making it really easy for the customer, right? Give them everything they need. It's almost like asking them for a review or to share it on social media, but without actually asking them. Yeah, you're just kind of giving, nudging them by giving them everything they need to be able to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's really cool. And it's, you know, it's, it's the sort of product people would show off um, on, on social media, I think. So, yeah, it makes sense that you'd uh, take advantage of that. Mm -hmm. And, and what about reviews? So um, I, I had a quick look at the websites um, before this call. So I, and actually you know, you've got loads of reviews on the, on the website, but also um, you're collecting product attributes, which I think is really cool. Um, how do you, what, what sort of process do you go through to get to, to kind of uh, persuade customers to leave a review, particularly a detailed one, I suppose? Um, it comes first, things first, of the trigger. Um, most brands trigger their reviews based on when the order is placed. So, for example, after an order is placed 14 days later or, 17, or seven days later, send an email to ask for a review. We don't do that. We trigger the review based on when the order is delivered. The worst thing you can ever do is to ask someone for a review when the package has not been delivered yet because you're just going to make someone even more upset. So we changed the way that we trigger it. Um, we use an app called Wonderman, which allows us to sync the order tracking data into Klaviyo, which then triggers when an order status is marked as delivered. So that's first things first. Second thing is when we ask for our reviews, we ask very directly that we like to ask you for a favor. We're not beating around the bush and say, hey, can you like, um, you know, can you please like leave a review or whatever? We're like, hey, this will really help us. We tell them that this will benefit us. 
but benefiting us means that we can do better things for you. So, hey, well, can you please leave, uh, leave a, like do a little favor for me? Um, we would like for you to ask you to review our product and give us your thoughts. Your thoughts will help us lead to better product development in the future, but also help us get reached to more customers. We're very intentional with like, hey, we really want this because it'll help us. But at the end of the day, it also helps you if it helps us. Um, and we've seen a lot more reviews coming that way, just the way that we're being very authentic, like not trying to hide it, that it's beneficial to us. Um, and that's why if you look at our products, we, we've gotten a lot more reviews than other brands that are actually a lot bigger because the way that we intentionally write a review and request for it, um, it's very, very much different than every, everyone else. Yeah. I, I've noticed it's, uh, with a few other brands as well. Um, uh, not similar products, but I, in my head, kind of a similar brand to yours in just the way you engage with people. Um, and these brands are generally collecting thousands and thousands of reviews. And then you can look at a brand, uh, a competitor that's been out for 10, 20 years, and some of their products have 10, 20 reviews at, at best. Um, you know, it's, they just, and they, they are probably the brands who are saying seven days after they purchase, send a, send a, uh, uh, a review request. And yeah. it's probably a very, very standard templated request from the platform. Yeah. You know, they're not, they're not really, they're not taking the, the time to think, how do we actually, how do we optimize this? How do we make it better for the customer? Absolutely. And, and what about the, the attributes? So yeah, I know, I noticed you're collecting the attributes. Do you use that data at all? Not currently. We haven't been able to sync these data into our, um, our Clavio, but that's definitely something on our roadmap to build out an integration between our review app, which is called Junip, into Clavio to further do it. But I haven't done that yet. What, uh, what about like, just internally, like kind of um, product development sort of, um, you know, I mean, it's feedback, isn't it? Right. You've got yeah, customers yeah. I mean, telling you that these lashes are not heavy. You barely feel them. Yeah. Yeah. We go through all our reviews actually one by one um, to review them. And anytime we have a review less than four stars, it gets automatically sent to our Slack channel, um, which automatically gets uh, filled into this form. And we will reach out to every single person that leaves us a four-star or less review to ask them where we can do better and if we can fix it for them. Always. Yeah, I like that. Uh, I like the link up with Slack as well. Um, I, I think that's really important. And it's, it's amazing how you can link up so much stuff these days, just automatically. Um, awesome here. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Um, uh, what about challenges, right? What, what do you think is the biggest challenge you, you guys are facing at the moment? Challenges is definitely scaling. Um, it's a lot more competitive now. It's a lot easier to do commerce, which is great for everyone because I teach commerce. So it's great that it's a lot easier, but it's also becoming more competitive and challenging because you're fighting for the same amount of eyeballs, right? Um, and there's only, there's always like these issues outside of our control, like the economy, how much people want to spend, um, people spending less means that everyone else makes less across the board. So there's a lot of things that obviously is challenging for the past year for very obvious reasons that um, is frankly out of our control, but there's always creative ways to get around it. And we're always trying to look for the next edge for us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, th I think it, it, you can tell from your approach, you know, you, you mentioned right at the start that, you know, paid ads is not the way forward for you guys. It's, you know, getting that foundation in place with the organic channels, which, which I, I think is great. And if you can really nail TikTok now, you, you've got a great opportunity there. 
Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, so just, just before we uh, we wrap up, um, who who in the kind of D two C marketing space would you would you really like to go for lunch with? Would love to meet Toby, the founder of Shopify. Yeah, we'll we'll love that. Um, I I just think he's very brilliant, and we'll love to meet him, um, talk to him, have some like second degree connections to him. So if I ever really need to, could pull that favor. But you know, we'll love to meet him one day. Yeah, just see what you can do. Uh, cool. And uh, so, just finally, um, what what are what are one or two marketing tools that you'd you'd recommend to people? Uh, I love Smile for loyalty, Clavio for email, Postscript for SMS, um, Rebuy for upsells, um, and Preview for collecting emails and Octane for your shoppable quiz. Those are my holy grails. Awesome. I mean, you're straight in there with <laughs> with those yeah. responses. So yeah. Uh, they must be pretty essential for you. Oh, I, I mean, I couldn't work without them. They they are the ones that are powering our entire company. Awesome, good to hear. All right, cool. Um, if uh, if people want to find out more, ask ask you some questions. What, can can they reach out? What's what's the best way of doing that? Yeah, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter, Jason Wong. Um, username is Agro, and um, I'm usually really responsive there. I, I answer every email, every email and every DM. Yeah, cool. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, Jason. Of course. All right. Talk soon. Bye-bye. Cheers. So as you heard from Jason, one of the biggest contributors to growth has been primarily organic, making sure that the business has that good foundation. It's also kind of a great way to prove the business before showing out on advertising. But then he's targeted channels that not many marketers really go to. As he said, channels like TikTok, Snapchat, and Pinterest, they don't really appear in many company strategies. And normally because they don't understand them, they're never really the hot topics in growth and marketing. Retention has also been key for Doe Lashes and their retention efforts start from the first touch point, which is normally their lashes quiz. If they can understand exactly what you're looking for, the style of product that will suit you best and convince you to buy it, their chance of retaining you is, on that information is going to be so much higher. If you'd like to learn more about Jason's approach to growth, you can find him on Twitter. He's really responsive there. Any other podcast questions, feedback, guest requests, send them over to will at customerswhoclick.com or tweet me at Will Lawrenson. Next up, I've got Joe Valley with me. We're going to be talking about the metrics that indicate strong growth and a key to a potential exit. But until then, keep those customers clicking. Mm-hmm.